Okay, wow. I don't know how to follow all that up, guys. Thank you. But the thing is, is that it, uh, it actually makes a lot of sense because I'm actually really glad that we didn't spend too much time going over uh, the sermon because God had me change it for tonight, uh, these last two days. So it's really kind of interesting to see see the way that that's been happening, and I'm actually really excited to share this with you. So bear with me because it's it's uh, I've had two days of uh, kids' nap times or something like that if that's what those are supposed to be called. But the thing is, is that God's working in a lot of ways right now. And so I really hope that this gets to you because if, if you're here and you've, you've been here at all for this, this is something that's uh, this is very likely for you. Before I begin, though, I do want to say thank you, Pastor Josh. You know, this is Pastor Appreciation Day. We do love you. But the thing is, is that he's had a, a great impact in my life here these past uh, past couple months that's really gotten me out of a lot of gar- garbage and dark places. So... Um, I just want to say thank you again and for the honor of being able to share this up here. So what I don't even know how to call this because it's changed quite drastically in the last two days. So I'm just going to go ahead and go for it, all right? But tonight I, I really want to talk to you about one of the major lessons that God's been teaching me and instilling me these last few months, especially during a time where life doesn't look like what I thought it was uh, going to. The thing is, is I don't know if anyone here has ever felt like that, but I'm pretty sure that if we were being really honest with ourselves, that probably most of us in this, in this room would probably say, that's something that I'm going through right now. But the thing is, I'm going to tell you, is that whenever you're used to being having the furnace seven times hotter, is when it's only three times hotter, it's just a little warm, it makes you kind of thirsty. And that's just kind of, way the, kind of the way that I have to look at things now. But the thing is, is that what you're going through right now, I can promise you, you're not alone. I would say that if I had people stand here for the sake of time, I won't. But if I had people stand here and say, "What's the current? if you're currently going through something right now, stand up. And whenever you'd see how many people are surrounding you, I think it'd be really mind-blowing to know that you're in the right spot for this. But if you're, being, if you're feeling worn down by your battle, maybe like God doesn't even know where you are, um, there's no doubt in my mind that God has you here tonight for a, speci- a specific purpose. So I really want you to take this message home tonight, chew on it and soak in it. Um, let it really... See what, you, see what you think about it, but God's, what he's been showing me in my life is going to be the same thing that he's been showing you in yours. But before we pray, I'd like for you to stop for a moment and close your eyes. I want you to try and clear your mind of everything else that you have going on in your life right now, everything that's been kind of holding you back, anything that may have been distracting you up until this point, because it's, it's about to go pretty quickly here. But I really want you to just take a moment to breathe and just let God's peace kind of come into you. Just really just bring bring that self and that rest and say, Holy Spirit, come, come into this place. Father God, we come to you tonight and we say thank you so much for everything that's happened in this service so far and what you're about to do. We thank you, God, for everything and every capability and ability, and we pray, God, that in my weakness you be made strong. Every word that comes from me, I pray, God, that it is from you first. Thank you, God, for the ability to come up here and stand and share tonight. The words that you laid on my heart, I pray that their impact goes forth into fertile ground. In Jesus' name. If you have your Bible tonight, uh, you're welcome to turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 10, uh, 17 through 22. The verses that I'm going to be reading out of here are going to be out of a different translation, so they're not going to be the exact ones you have in front of you. It's just because... Being a parent of small children, I've kind of learned that saying the same thing in a different words sometimes is a better way of getting the important points across versus just using the same thing that I had repeated to you back before. 
And so I'd like to say that in this season right now, we all need to learn how to slow down, we need to learn how to be still, and to acquire some of the peace in our lives before this next season gets here. You can kind of tell where this has been heading here recently, but this is not, a, this is not what the church it was a month ago, two months ago, six months ago, or a year and a half ago when we started. Luke chapter 10, verse 17, it says, When the 72 missionaries returned to Jesus, they were ecstatic with joy, telling him, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we commanded them in your name. Jesus replied, While you were ministering, I watched Satan topple until he fell suddenly from heaven like lightning to the ground. Now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. However, your real source of joy isn't merely that these spirits submit to your authority, but that your name is written in the journals of heaven that belong to God's kingdom. This is the true source of your authority. Then Jesus, overflowing with the Holy Spirit's anointing and joy, exclaimed, Father, thank you, for you are Lord supreme over heaven and earth. You have hidden the great revelation of this authority from those who are proud, those wise in their own eyes, and you have shared it with those who have humbled themselves. Yes, Father, this is what pleases your heart in the very way you've chosen to extend your kingdom to give to those who become like trusting children. Father, you have entrusted me with all that you are and all that you have. No one fully knows the Son except the Father, and no one fully knows the Father except the Son but the Son is able to introduce and reveal the Father to anyone he chooses. So the only thing that's really stayed in this message are the three main bullet points, and I'm just going to go through them. The first one is called Assess the Mess. You've hidden, you've hidden a great revelation of your authority from those who are proud and wide in their own eyes. That's what he was saying, is he's, he's hidden it from the proud. And sometimes in our daily lives we can get so busy trying to do it all. We try to be everything for everyone all the time, and having small children, I can tell you that it's not possible. Even without children at all, it's not possible. It doesn't matter whether or not it's in business, healthcare, parents, anything like that. We're all guilty of it. But one of the biggest issues is that is that, that doesn't feel abnormal to us. It's what, when did that become a normal response for us to be able to have that on a day-to-day -day basis, where if we're not overloaded to the point of sheer exhaustion, we didn't do enough that day, and we could have done better. See, how many of how many one is here started a conversation with anyone after seven o'clock in the in the afternoon, and it was it started out with the opening lines of something like, "I'm exhausted, I'm busy, I'm crazy, life's hectic, I can't do anymore." And how many of you would respond, "Me too, that's me. That sounds exactly like where I'm at in life right now," and it's not uncommon. And see, this isn't exclusive to any particular group. But here's the deal. When we take a step back and look at our situation, how many times have we been caught up in, in things that really didn't matter? You know, we say we're busy all the time, but the next day, does anything matter? Does anything change off of what we did the day before where we were so busy, so hectic all the time? But you see, there's really a much bigger issue here that I want you to realize, and this is kind of where the first point's really changed here. The real issue is that we can get so focused and distracted by looking at everything that's happening horizontally at those around us that we really lose focus of the vertical lines here. The thing is, is that what I'm talking about is that when we're so focused on the situations around us, we lose sight of God's promise over us, and we lose the sight of God's path in front of us because we can get so distracted by everything that's happening in these places. 
You see, if we're not mindful of this possibility, our busy lifestyles can really run the chance of turning our problems into strongholds. And that's where the devil is going to use you to steer you away from the understanding of two things. The first one is your identity. That is who you are in God. And your authority is that is what you are able to do once you understand who you are in God. Once we've assessed that, though, it really becomes to a point of how do we address it? How do we address what we're currently going through? These situations where we're really just bogged down by life at the moment. See, it's, in, it's really important to understand this point because it deals with understanding the adversary so he won't be as likely to sneak up on you. How many would agree that it's a lot harder to sneak up on someone that knows what you're doing as well as your intentions for doing it? And the thing is, is that it's not, it's not too uncommon to, think, to see the same pattern of the way he does it over and over and over again in a lot of our lives. Said another way, anyone here who, like myself, will periodically, from time to time, find themselves saying, in the midst of a problem that I've created, and say, God, where are you? not really seeing a change in my circumstances here, but I do believe it would be an opportune time for you to step in and really kind of change things for me. You know, if you're not busy or anything, that'd be great. You know, thanks. Uh, that'd be... But the truth is, is he does. But not only, not only is he a good father, but he's a righteous judge as well. And the thing is I'm wanting to show you is that, that sometimes he will, mean, he, will, he will allow things to happen without the intervention that I expected so that he can use what was caused by me to transform within me that which he can finish his work through me and become more like him. The way that I'll say it again is that whatever, he's, whatever you're praying for in a situation that you find yourself in, he may be allowing you to be transformed by that situation because what he needs from you down the road is a different person who's been stretched a little bit by life. And the thing is, is if you're, if you're trying to answer that call now, you won't be able to. And he has to let you go through some of the things first in order for you to come back into alignment with that. See, in the soul, people gravitate towards bad news. However, when you give worship to what you fear, you begin to lose the authority you have over that situation. Because fear or unbelief is what they call it, it is an argument against faith itself. Unbelief will do everything it can to get belief out of the room to make itself feel better. Because the, the thing is, is that all the devil really needs to do to cancel your authority you have through Christ is to let you question about your identity in Christ by planting a seed of doubt in God's ability to come through in your circumstance and your situations. The thing is, though, is that when it comes to identity, I am a third-generation optometrist. And I can tell you the thing is right now is that I, you cannot continue a family business without inheritance. It's the same way in God's kingdom. It's the same way in God's nature. Is if you view yourself as an orphan, orphans don't have inheritance. Sons and daughters have inheritance. Kings and priests give inheritance. If the devil can make you feel like you're an orphan and that all you have is just the lack around you, then what, what, what chance and authority are you going to ever get out of that situation? You're going to stay bound by that. The thing is, is that you are not an orphan in Christ. You are sons and daughters of the living God. If God gave you the deepest of the Holy Spirit, he wants you to walk in his authority. 
the last verse of that chapter, 10.22, it says, Father, you have entrusted me with all that you are and all that you have. No one fully knows the Son except the Father. No one fully knows the Father except the Son. But the Son is able to introduce and reveal the Father to anyone he chooses. See, you have the authority in Jesus Christ that comes from the blood that he spent to cover our sins and allows us to have a covenant relationship with him. Two verses prior it says, However, you, the real source of joy, isn't merely that these spirits submit to your authority, but that your names are written in the journals of heaven and that you belong to God's kingdom. This is the true source of your authority. We have joy and strength that comes from God and power of the Holy Spirit for those who believe and are born again. You see, Jesus spoke to this with his disciples at the time of his crucifixion at the end of John chapter 16. Listen to this. He says, So will you also pass through a time of intense sorrow when I am taken from you? But you will see me again, and then your hearts will burst with joy with no one being able to take it from you. You see, the power in this statement is really impressive. Because the thing is, is that if your source of the joy comes from the world around you, it's really no surprise that we struggle with loneliness and depression when the world comes to take that joy back. The thing is, is that when the joy of the Lord is your strength, though, it doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter what the size of your problems are, because the world can't take from you something it never gave you. The thing is, is that, I'll say it again, the world can't take from you something that it never gave you. So, but unless you're willing to deal with this, unless you're willing to deal with that identity problem of who you are in Christ and who God is to you, you won't have the authority, let alone the strength, to do just about much of anything. No identity equals no authority. No authority equals no power. And if you don't have a power, you have no deliverables. That's what the witness of, the, that's what the witness of your testimony is built on, is the power for you to being able to replicate that. So the thing is, is that if the devil can get you to step away from your, who you are, that's going to be where that's going to be where he's going to come at you every single time. In Matthew 11, it says, "Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Come to me, and I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine, learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You'll find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear." See, God will say, it's kind of like an if-then statement. It says, if I am to be your oasis, uh, if you want rest, then join your life with mine means fix your identity problems. So he says, how at the next point, he says, learn my ways, meaning to understand the authority that you have. And lastly, is why is because my ways are pleasant and his burden is light. The reason the enemy is working so hard at this right now, and you can feel it in this season, everyone's just felt like it's been so much more oppressive here lately, is because the devil knows that he has a priority list, and that's something that you should probably understand, is that if the devil doesn't view you as a threat and a priority, he's likely not going to come at you as strongly as he has been. The thing is, is that understanding your identity and authority gives you the ability to cast down everything in his kingdom that you, where you go and everyone that, you list, everyone that hisses, listens to the sound of your voice. It said, when you were ministering, I watched Satan topple until he fell out of heaven like lightning to the ground. And you understand that I have imparted to you all the authority to trample over his kingdom. See, when you identify the open door that the devil has been using all this time and has kept you from receiving that promotion and that blessings of God, 
when you remove that stronghold that over the mind that he has used to get you to blame God for some of the circumstances and problems that we might ourselves have created, and says so when you get to, get to the point where you repent for God and you say, I'm sorry I've walked away from you. I'm sorry I've walked away from your plans and I thought that I could have done them better myself. Forgive me, God, and restore me. But he's <laughs> be the sole leader of my life again. Bring me into remembrance of the promises because I've forgotten them. By doing that, listen to the way that Jesus responds in John 16:23. He says, For here is eternal truth. When the time comes, you won't need to ask me for anything, but instead you will go directly to the Father and ask him for anything you desire, and he will give it to you because of your relationship until now, you've, you haven't been bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing in my name, but now you can ask and keep on asking him, and you can be sure that you'll receive what you ask for, and your joy will have no limits. In 33, just a few, more, few verses later as we're coming up to close, it says, Everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. The last verse I have is, is the response that we have from Exodus 14. It says, Then Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Take your stand. Be firm and confident and undismayed, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For those Egyptians whom you have seen today you will never see again the Lord will fight for you while you only need to keep silent and remain calm I urge you to practice being still before God if that's the one takeaway that I can give for you right now is that you if you're not still then you won't listen to what God's trying to show you in your circumstances if you're not still you can't hear the points of where he's trying to improve your lives the thing is is that it's going to not really improve your life on the other side of it because unless you overcome you don't have the authority to help others overcome as well that's where we're really kind of finishing up here today so the thing is is like i just really wanted to thank you guys again for being receptive to this because honestly i it, it's not something of what it looked like a few days ago and so thank you again for bringing here and being here and letting god really move in this kind of awesome way tonight guys so bow your heads with me. We'll pray at close. Say, Father God, we, we praise you for everything you've done here tonight. We thank you for the ability to share and minister your words. We pray that they sink deep. We pray that they are going in and they have the effect that you will say they have. Thank you, God, for the ability to stand up here and just be, just be present, be still in your pray that your peace falls upon us and rests on us as we go through this week. That we'll be made aware of everything the devil and the enemy and the structures around us are trying to get us out of agreeing with your plan for our lives. Thank you, God. In Jesus' holy name we ask you to pray. Amen. Let's stand in honor, Dalton. Did you enjoy him preaching tonight? I know his mom and dad and grandma. Come on, let's give it up for him. Listen, um, as you remain standing, I want to say this. My preaching class, I've had five or six of them that I've worked with all year, and Dalton has been very faithful, and we are so very proud of him. Lewis has done a wonderful job. David McDonald has done a wonderful job. And we have one more tonight. 
Sean Taylor has been in my preaching class. And he doesn't claim to be a preacher, but he wanted to improve his speaking skills. So um, I know it's gotten a little late, but these men have prepared all week and been so excited. So I think it's okay we go over a little tonight. Amen. So, so I want him to come, and I'm very proud of you, Sean. We love you. Would you give it up for him, and then when he's done, we'll be dismissed. All right? Good evening, everyone. It's good to be here tonight. It's always good to be in service with Pastor Josh when I can get away from my home church. You know, I pastor uh, over in a little town, Quapaw. I'm just, I'm just kidding. But it's, it's good to be here tonight. And uh, like Pastor said, I, uh, I had a desire to perfect my speaking skill, uh, which any, any kind of uh, perfection would be an improvement. So there's, uh, there's that. But uh, I've enjoyed taking this class, and it's, it's kind of pushed me out of my uh, comfort zone because I don't typically like to uh, speak in front of people, but I've had the opportunity on numerous occasions, especially this past week. Uh, I filled in for Ronnie for the youth, and uh, that's a whole other ballgame right there. But, uh, but it's good to be with you guys tonight. Uh, if you could, turn in your Bible to uh, Mark chapter 5. going to be reading uh, several verses, because this is a long passage. Uh, it talks about a man named Jairus. It talks about a woman with the issue of blood uh, who had struggled for, for 12 years and, and was looking for healing. Okay, so the scriptures will be behind me, uh, and you can follow along. This is from the New Living Translation. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then the leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her, heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman followed the crowd that had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she hadn't gotten better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him, through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? But he kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling, uh, at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what, he, what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, Your daughter is dead. There is no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped in the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then they came to the home of the synagogue leader. Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why, is, why all this commotion and weeping? 
the child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made, made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples in a room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said, Talitha Koom, which means, little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what happened, and he told them to give her something to eat. Could you pray over this sermon, Pastor? All right, I'm going to start with the story. Back in 2004, I was uh, one year out of high school. It was, uh, it was basically the spring of 2004. I was 19, and uh, I was working uh, construction, and I had a friend that was working with me. He, uh, one day, he and another friend of his went and purchased two motorcycles. And uh, if you know anything about me, I grew up riding motorcycles and really had a a passion for that. And uh, when he got that motorcycle, there was something inside of me that there was an overwhelming desire for myself to get one of those motorcycles. And, you know, I kept telling my buddy, uh, of course, he kept telling me, you need to get one. You need to get one so I have somebody to ride with. And uh, I kept on telling him, yeah, I'll get one. I'll get one. But everybody I would tell that, they were like, yeah, right, you're not getting the bike. It's not going to happen. Well, for one, I didn't make a lot of money. And then, uh, so that wasn't, I didn't have any credit, so there probably wasn't any way that I could possibly get that. But there was a, a desire on the inside of me that really wanted one. So I, every week without fail, I would go buy a cycle trader, which had motorcycles and street bikes all around uh, the area. And so I would look at that and, and just dream about maybe one day getting a motorcycle. I even bought magazines that would have motorcycles on them. And uh, I would look at it and, and envision myself, you know, having one of those bikes. And there was even a video that was playing at the time. It was kind of like a Fast and the Furious uh, uh, type of movie, but it was uh, about street bikes and stuff. So I would envision myself as the main character in that film and, and think, man, if I only had that bike, how cool would that be? And uh, But I did everything in myself uh, to try to convince my parents that this would be a good idea, but my mom wasn't having any of it. She, she thought, man, those are dangerous. You don't need one of those. You'll get hurt. And my dad, on the other hand, he was kind of, uh, when he was young, he had a motorcycle too, so he was kind of for it. So uh, my goal at that point was to, to try to convince dad to get on my side. And uh, eventually, after the persistence Dad finally got on board, and he started to help me look for a motorcycle. So after a few months of, of searching and calling and getting the right, uh, trying to get the right price, we found the perfect bike. And uh, if you want to go ahead and show that, uh, Bo, this was the street bike that I had. And uh, yes, it was fast, and w the moment I got it, my mom was scared to death, and she was always worried and stuff. But what I want to say is, you know, once Dad was on board, it was it was so so much easier. And eventually, I got the bike, and I could put all the doubters to shame. All the people that said you'll you'll never get a bike, you know, there was proof there. So I had I could ride it around, show it off, and it was kind of like my defining moment that kind of made me the big shot, so to say. So I was I was kind of proud of that. But so what does this story have to do with anything? 
I believe it has a lot to do with the story that we just read. In the story, we see two, two people, two sick people, one that was to the point of death. Both were in desperate situations, and both were determined to touch Jesus. One touched Jesus for themselves, and the other had to have their father speak on their behalf. No, I'm certainly not sick, and, and I was not dying, but I did have a strong desire for a motorcycle and the determination to get it. Wanting a motorcycle and wanting healing is really an extreme difference. But I believe that there are principles that we can learn from this, whether you want a motorcycle or you are wanting a healing. You have to have a desire, determination to get it. Because deliverance will, will only happen after there is desire and determination. Maybe you are here tonight in a desperate situation. You may not want a motorcycle and maybe not even a healing, but there is always something that we desire to have. If you open up your heart, I believe that God can bring deliverance to your life. As you look at the story tonight, I want you to remember three principles. Can you say three principles? I want you to put your 3D glasses on because these are all going to correlate with the letter D. So, and I want you to say these together. Can you say desire? Say determination. And say deliverance. All right, very good. I like your participation. That's very good. The first thing I'm going to talk about tonight is desire. In, in both situations, you see a desire. Jairus has a daughter who has been sick to the point of death. He desired healing for his daughter. The woman with the issue of blood had, had exhausted all of her resources and spent all that she had, but instead of getting better, she got worse. How many has done that in their life? You've, you've done all you think to, to do, and, and you've tried everything, but sometimes your situation really doesn't get better. It, it oftentimes gets worse. Before any situation in your life can be fixed, there has to be a desire, a desire to make a change. We have to, there has to be something on us that finally gets uh, upset with the way things are going. We have to make a decision in our life that for any, before anything can happen, we've got to do something. Oftentimes that's hard for us because many times we don't want to step out. We don't want to uh, do the things that we know God is trying to uh, get us to do. Often desire is, is hard. The second thing I want to talk about is determination. Jairus was determined to get to the attention of Jesus. As he came to the shore, he fell in front of Jesus at his feet. He had reached a point to where he knew that this was the only person that could make a difference in the situation of his daughter. It was an act of desperation. Jesus progressed through the crowd, and I'm sure many people were wanting the same things from him. The woman with the issue of blood was so determined that she was pushing through the crowd. Although she knew that that was a risk, she had also reached the point of desperation. How many knows desperation will cause you to do things that aren't quite normal? She eventually made her way to Jesus and approached him from behind and fell at his feet, touching only his robe. Even in the midst of all the people pulling at, at Jesus that day, he recognized when the woman had touched his robe. I want to show you a quick video of, uh, of an act of determination. You know, like if I was that little cub, I probably would have given up and called Snow Patrol. I mean, it's, that's, that's one thing that, you know... 
it's kind of scary, you know, the heights and stuff. Ronnie knows all about ski patrol, right, brother? <laughs> well, that, uh, this little video of the cub showed complete determination. Although the cub fell multiple times and wasn't successful in its attempt to scale the mountain to reach the safety of its mother, the cub never quit pushing through the snow to get to the top. Much like the woman with the issue of blood, she had to push through to get to Jesus. I kind of think of that woman uh, in a couple weeks. Actually, next Friday will be uh, the Black Friday sales. And, you know, that's a, that's a common thing for people pushing through crowds. And, uh, and I had the thought earlier that many people push through the crowd for the best deals. Uh, this woman pushed through the crowd for the real deal, right? So, and I had that thought, and I thought that was uh, a powerful thought. It may not be powerful to you, but I believe that that it is. Jairus had to push through to get the attention of Jesus. In both situations, their determination paid off. The girl who was at the point of death couldn't get to Jesus, so she was dependent on her father to get to Jesus for her. This was similar to my story earlier. You know, I didn't have the means by which to get the motorcycle, but I knew I had a father that had great credit and, and could get the, you know, could sign for me so that I could get that. So, you know, when you have a, a good father that will, will help you, that's, that's awesome to have. Many times we are dependent on those around us for help. Lastly, I want to talk about deliverance. Lastly, you see deliverance in the story. The woman, although mentioned second in the story, received her deliverance before Jairus' daughter but they both were delivered. The woman was delivered from her issue that she had struggled with for 12 years. And the daughter was delivered from, from death. I'm sure Jairus was even delivered from the pain of having almost lost his daughter. Their deliverance came from their faith. Jesus told the woman, your faith has made you well. The deliverance of the daughter came shortly after, even when the crowd was saying, she's dead. Jesus told Jairus to have faith that the daughter was only sleeping. Jesus told the girl, to Letha Koum, which means girl, little girl, get up. What I think is great about this story is that both of these people were considered unclean. You have the body uh, of Jairus' daughter, which was a dead corpse, and you had the woman who had uh, the issue of blood. They were both considered unclean. And what I thought was so amazing is that we can come to Jesus just the way we are, oftentimes unclean. And he can still heal us. In closing, sometimes in life we just have to have enough faith to believe that Jesus will take care of our every need. Our desire should be found in our pursuit. And your, your pursuit should be found in Jesus. Several months ago I had the thought of the scripture that is found in James uh, 4, chapter 2. It doesn't necessarily pertain to this, uh, this message uh, or this passage that I read earlier, but it has something in there that I thought was profound. It says, you have not because you ask not. You know, I had the thought that in relation to that scripture, oftentimes we have not because we act not. I think oftentimes we ask God because we ask God for all, all these different things, but sometimes there's things that we ask for that he's requiring us to take action. And I believe that things in our life cannot, cannot ever change unless we take action. If you are wanting something to happen in your life or in the life of someone else, like in Jairus' situation, it's better to do something than to not do anything at all. 
So I believe that in this uh, passage that we see, we see those three things. We see desire, determination, and deliverance. And then at the end, you, after all that's done, we see the miracle. 